Dream Cowboys. Welcome back to the season finale of the Fan Driven Westworld Recap Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Westworld Season 1, Episode 10, The Bicameral Mind, directed by Jonathan Nolan and written by Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. So after nine kind of not so straightforward titles, we just get the bicameral mind. Right, this is what's going on. Everybody get on board. Crazy long episode though, 90 minutes, a feature length film basically. It was, this entire season was like a 10 hour to 11 hour feature length film, which is, it, it kind of makes more sense now where they were in the middle of shooting this, and Jonathan Nolan was like, wait, everybody, everybody has to stop. Turns out this is an 11-hour film, and that's difficult to make, so everybody go home while I figure this crap out. And thankfully, uh, Lisa Joy and Jonah Nolan sat down and, and really thought through this, and I think out the other end came a show that we can all be really proud that we watched. Uh, proud. Like, good job. So- Hit yourself on the back. You did a good job watching that TV. And then J.J. Abrams came in and was like, Hey, I'll give you a couple million dollars to throw my name on that. And they're like, J.J. Abrams, that's so great. And then the and then Jimmy Fallon's like, J.J., wonderful job you did. And J.J.'s like, thanks. No, he's not. He was actually very nice. He's like, I did nothing on this. Here's a clip. <laughs> but, oh my gosh. Okay. So, the dong meter was at medium this week, but it was more than zero. There was a lot of sabotage. The word of the week is upsetting. I'm upset this show's not going to be back till 2018. We got Lars. Lars was in this episode. We got to... And Sideburns Trevor was too. So many things happened, James. There were a lot of shots of Sideburn Trevor, especially towards the end. Yeah, and he... I mean, he wasn't as sentient as he was prior. He was just getting things shot off of his head by Teddy, which was a bummer for all those characters. Uh, But so many callbacks. Dr. Robert Ford has been doing a thing that I don't think many people called. And then this show truly surprised me in its finale, which is wonderful. Because to be truly surprised by TV, especially by a show like this where like thousands to thousands of people on the internet are trying, trying to ruin it for themselves, including myself, with glee. But I was surprised anyway. And I'm so excited. Ah. Let's get into it. The season finale begins with Dolores monologuing over a memory of Arnold when he's first building her. He's hand-applying skin to this very robotic-looking skeleton. And we first get to see the new age skeleton that is under Dolores. And it looks awesome. The CGI is really cool. This is the scene that we've all kind of been waiting for because it's in the trailer. It was in a few trailers where Dolores' face is basically being put on a skeleton, and it's like, we haven't seen that before. Um, And we now know that it is the moment in which Arnold turned her on. It's the first moment she was alive. And it was, it's truly, it was cool to see that 
where the beginning was as opposed to where the end is going to be. He wakes her up and very kindly welcomes her to the world. CGI is amazing. Arnold's voice is slightly different than Bernard's, which is really cool because they're still playing on the idea that Bernard is Arnold through the lens of Dr. Robert Ford, not exactly Arnold. So Jeffrey Wright changes his voice a little, which is, I think is a really cool acting decision. And then you kind of flash forward and she's staring at a knife. Right. We cut to Dolores shaving the man in black's neck. How mean can he be? He's basically like, what I'm going to need you to do is take this knife and do to my neck the exact opposite of what you'd like to do, which is murder me. Uh, thanks. Yeah, the man in black should get together with Ramsey Bolton and they can just have people shave their necks all day. Right. That's the same thing he does to Reek, isn't it? The Man in Black comments that they are near the center of the maze, and it's fitting that they should come back here together. He wonders why Dolores always returns to this town. At first he thought it was some kind of glitch, but now he realizes that Arnold made her that way deliberately. So we're just coming out and saying things now, huh? Like, this is the part of the uh, where I was like, okay, we're, we are just going to dive into to theory checking here, because the Man in Black was not just beating around the bush. We're here. I don't know why you keep coming here. We come here a lot, though. Whatever. Show me the middle of this maze. Out of the corner of her eye, Dolores spies Arnold, and she gets up to follow him further into the town. What's he doing there? William drags Logan behind his horse in search of Dolores. William and Logan, fun time. This is how he he got the great idea to pull Lawrence behind his horse as an old man. He's like, you know, I really enjoyed pulling a snarky guy behind my horse. I'll go get Lawrence and we'll do it again. I'll put any snark behind this horse. Just a really great, great A, great A time. Having having the best time of my life. Put that snark behind this horse. Logan thinks that Dolores is dead, but William refuses to accept that. Logan says the park is too big to search on their own and that they'd need an entire army. No way. An entire army. That's why we're here. Yeah, just as he says that, they happen upon Lawrence and his outlaw gang. Oh, thank God. Convenient that, you know, they talked about it and then it just happened. Anyway. (laughs) That's how TV works. Arriving on the train to Sweetwater, Teddy hears Arnold's voice. Remember. Fine. (laughs) What if he said, I thought, fine. I I guess I'll remember. And then then Teddy just stands up like, is that all this took? All this time? Me just being like, Okay. He has a vision of Sweetwater in which everyone is killed except him and Dolores, who smiles and then walks away. Which is that shot from the trailer with Insanity Wolf in it. Right, which is nobody has still told anybody what the wolf means. He gets jolted awake by the shoulder check guy who he immediately shoots down and kills. Uh, And as you might recall, that is not how that happened in the pilot. In the pilot, shoulder check guy basically shoulder checks Teddy Flood every time he gets off the train. Teddy Flood tips his cap to him and keeps walking. That's not how this happened this time. Teddy shot him. (laughs) Shoulder check guy must have been devastated. He's like, well, I thought this was our thing. This is our thing. We were supposed to shoulder check each other than me. Like, good day, sir. And I'm much taller than you. I told you about this. We all know. You shot me in the chest, man. Not cool. Dolores returns to the church where she finds Arnold. 
She walks to the cemetery and tells the man in black that the maze ends in a place she's never been with a thing that she'll never do. And then she she digs up something in the ground. She actually had to dig in the ground and find something that was buried for her like treasure. Right. She walks over to her own grave and uncovers a round tin box which contains a small wooden maze, like the symbol of the maze. So the toy is buried right above her grave. Cool, cool, cool. When she picks it up, Arnold appears and tells her about the bicameral mind and its failure. He says that sentience isn't a journey upwards, but a journey inwards, and each pitfall could lead to insanity. Your idea that that might be insanity, Wolf, is just becoming more and more prudent. Yeah, that's what they were, when they were writing that scene, they're like, you know what's my favorite meme? Insanity Wolf. Can can we write him into the show? Put him right in there. Dolores is going crazy, right? Okay, cool. All wolves are crazy. Put it in there. Arnold asks her if she knows whose voice it is he wants her to hear, and she confesses to not understanding. He tells her that that's okay because she's so close. Yeah, we can't open the park. You're alive. To which we know what Robert's Ford's response is going to be, which is going to be like, no, idiot, what? The man in black snatches the maze out of her hands and asks what it is. Dolores responds that she solved the maze in the past and she was promised that it would make her free. She recalls the time that Ford had his argument with Arnold and a subsequent conversation with Arnold where he revealed that because of the sentience he's created, the robots will be living in existential hell constantly on the verge of sentience but not knowing it he tells dolores that he needs her to kill all the hosts along with teddy and that should prevent the park from opening what i need you to do is kill all the hosts if you need any help teddy will probably help you he does whatever you ask him to i'm sure that won't scar him for life uh so just what you're gonna just you teddy uh go murder everyone you have no choice cool sounds great As Dolores is having a vision of that slaughter, the man in black loses his patience and, threatening to dissect her, begins attacking Dolores. Real bummer, dude. Just kind of punches her right in her face. When in the past, Dolores had insisted that Westworld is the only world that matters, it inspired the man in black to buy the entire park. William is man in black. Of course. Thank God. Because he now feels that this is more real than anything offered to him in the actual world. What must the actual world be like? I wish we knew. I think we'll, we'll find out in later seasons. thinking it's probably like Wally and everyone's super fat and on a floating chair. That's what I'm saying. I kind of hope so. Although, all the Delo sport isn't fat. Are they the only ones who aren't fat yet? Well, I mean, they were fat. Well, there are no fat people on HBO. I mean, there are no fat... Yeah, exactly. Is it, well, <laughs> the only fat people in Westworld are hosts. So, what does that tell you? Everyone's skinny in the future. There's no food. The man in black asked Dolores to join him in making the park real, and she refuses, professing allegiance to her one true love. Oh. Oh, God. Sorry, it's so sad. William and Lawrence scope out an army camp where they think Dolores might be. Logan starts teasing them about their sudden cooperation, and William punches him in the face. 
I mean, it, it makes sense. And the guy was making fun of you. You punch him in the face. It's Logan. The audience loves it because the audience is like, gosh, love it when Logan gets punched in his face. But at this point, I think I also asked myself the question, what's he going to do with Logan? You just have him tied up. You're going to murder him? Because if you're not going to murder him, what are you going to do? I think Logan's a little bit jealous. He's like, oh, I thought we were friends. Now you're friends with Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, jealous, also a little mad that he keeps getting punched. But I, I think he's thinking a little bit of the same thing I am, which is like, they're in Westworld. William has gone insane. And he's tied up. How does he get out of this situation? How does he get untied up at the end and be like, okay, good job, Logan. I don't mind all that stuff you just did. So let's go back to the real world where nothing I'm sure bad will happen to me, you, anybody, really. Lee meets with Charlotte in the park's entrance saying that he's accomplished her task involving Peter Abernathy. Peter Abernathy number one, baby. Which we did not get to see in this episode, which is a real shame because Louis Hurtham is an amazing actor who tweeted us this week and we didn't even ask him to. Yeah, if you're listening, Peter, you the man. Or Louis, whichever one you'd like to be called, I'll call you anything you want. You're my favorite. She agrees to make him creative director after they've ousted Ford and says that now everything should be under their control. She had a line in there that was, uh, you're not thinking big enough. And when she said it, you could tell, like, if Anthony Hopkins had that line, he would have murdered it. Like, really deep, like, you're not thinking big enough. It would have been cool. Uh, and the way that the actress who said, uh, who played Charlotte Hale said it was lame. <laughs> I, I thought it was a bad line. Uh, in fact, it, this whole scene was felt a little odd that Lee and charlotte hale dynamic was kind of like lee size the guy who plays lee sizemore is like a, a medium actor and charlotte hale kind of keeps proving herself to be a worse actor in every scene that she's in with other people not bad it's just like she's not you know anthony hopkins and from the moment she stood next to anthony hopkins everybody saw it it became very really clear that one person in that scene was better at acting than the other one and it kind of took me out of the scene a little bit because she said a line pretty badly uh but you know the point of the scene got across lee sizemore made abernathy the thing he needed to make him we're not going to see abernathy which is a bummer and charlotte hale is kind of still flailing but still hoping that her plan is going to plan felix and sylvester are putting the finishing touches on what looks to be a more human skeleton for mave they're going through a spine. They say something about C6. That's the part of the spine where the explosive is supposed to be. And then we see that Felix is back and plus Hector and Armistice. Upon waking up, Maeve immediately starts changing the park's security and the other host's data. <laughs> she just opens her eyes. She's like, okay, time to change some shit. In his office, Ford is visited by Charlotte Hale. She informs him that the board has voted to oust him and that he must announce his retirement tonight. And he, like, takes it really well. About as well as somebody who knows exactly what's happening tonight, and that's not it. Ford glibly threatens to destroy the park on his way out, but Charlotte doesn't think that he'll go through with it. Yeah, what if I decide to destroy all my toys? And she's like, nah, you won't. I know you. Your toys are too important to you. And 
And his face is like, that's true. You know who's not important to me? Like, all the human beings that I know. She turns to leave and Ford says, I'll see you tonight. <laughs> see you later! Ah, oh, it's gonna be fun. You dress well. It's gonna be neat. Actually, and to give her credit where it's due, the actress who played who plays Charlotte Hale did much Tessa better Thompson. in this scene. Yeah, Tessa Thompson did much better in this scene. I think it was the best scene that she had, and it was another one with Anthony Hopkins. It might have been him just pulling it up from its bootstraps, but I thought it was better. Yeah, he's such a good actor. He improves the acting of everyone around him. He really does. He because it it makes it obvious when something is bad right next to it. But when something is mediocre or just fine enough next to it, it gets really pulled up because he's one of the greatest actors of all time. So, I liked that scene. <laughs> Down in the labs, the necrophiliac tech who Elsie blackmailed in a earlier episode. Yeah, he's is, the he's the pervert who just who he really needs Elsie to come back and keep him in check. Well, he needed Elsie to come back to help him with Nah, don't worry about it. He's preparing to molest Hector. Yeah, out of nowhere. I was like, that was an interesting choice. When, when he was like, no, 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 it's Hector and me. I was like, ooh, nice. While his more straight-laced partner is inspecting Armstice. I'm a, I'm a do-it-by-the-book guy. You're a very odd person who's taking Hector into that room to definitely bang. And that I can see because all of these are glass walls. While poking around in her mouth... Armistice wakes up and bites the tech's finger off. Yeah, she basically, she bites straight down, goes right through the bone, and bites the top of his finger off. He uh, reacts in a way that you would react if that happened to you. But it was, in a one, it was a wonderful scene, because he was going back and forth and back and forth to her mouth, and every time you were like, she gonna wake up? No. She gonna wake up? No. And then when she finally did, it was a, both a surprise to the audience and to the technician, who lost the tip of his finger and is probably about to lose even more. And he hasn't even turned around to see that other thing that's happening because uh, the dude who's lubing up is about to get a, a rude surprise. Yeah, the perverted tech is, like, lubing up himself. Gross. And he's got loud sex music playing. Well, not as gross, kind of funny. Armistice is beating the shit out of the other tech before feeding him his own finger. That was really gross. I don't know how I feel about it. I do really like the scene, like when it cuts back to the to the necrotech who is listening to music so loud that he can't hear what's happening behind him. So I do like the scenes where it's it's showing the necrotech and then behind him the dude just getting thrown about by Armistice and then getting fed his own finger, which is a that's a that's a little stroke of, a stroke of genius right there. Just as the perverted tech is de-pantsing, the other one is thrown through the window behind him and killed. Yeah, he notices that one. He notices the the thrown through the window. That's enough for him to notice, apparently. Hector wakes up and, from behind, guts the pervy tech through the chest with a big knife. <laughs> he's like, freeze all motor functions, and then they don't, which is just a bummer for him, because he's murdered. Maeve arrives on the scene with Felix, saying it's time to execute their escape. It's time to get out of here. Hector and Armistice are like, that sounds really neat. And then when Felix is like, when Felix walks in, he's like, oh, 
God, what is like every moment that Felix and Sylvester are within this plan? It's all very surprising to them. They don't know the next part. They're, Felix is helping, but every time he walks into a room with some murdered people, and he's like, "Guys, what are we doing?" And then Sylvester comes in. And he's like, "Oh, what did you guys do? I am, I am in trouble." So I have to wonder. Felix is saving an innocent life with Maeve, arguably innocent. He's saving a a, a big version of his bird sure and now two people one who yeah kind of a a freaky weirdo but then one guy who certainly seemed like a good guy now he's dead for doing nothing than his job i honestly don't care that that freaky weirdo is dead and that makes me feel something it makes me feel like why don't i care oh right because he was a little a little weird just because he's a little weird i'm totally fine with writing off an entire character who am i but I think <laughs> I am. Yeah, I am sad. That other guy seemed fine. And what did he get out of it? His own finger in his mouth. The perverted guy got off pretty easy compared to him. He got one hit KO'd. The other guy got the shit smashed out of him and he had to eat his own finger. Okay. The, the other guy had to feel what it feels like to get stabbed through the chest, dude. Okay. I don't think he got off easy. Sylvester shows up and is chased around and then accosted by Armistice. Maeve interrogates him about any weaknesses in their plan, and he says that he thinks no one will try to stop them, but he has found that someone named Arnold has been tampering with their code recently. Seriously, Arnold has been all up in all of this crap. She tells Sylvester to stay here. Uh, We are all kind of still wondering, is Sylvester still standing there? And, like, just kind of twiddling his thumbs, like, I mean, she told me not to move, so I'm here. And Armistice wants to murder Sylvester so badly. As they're leaving, she kisses the glass behind him in, like, a sensual manner. As to say, like, I want to murder you. I want to murder you so bad. Armistice was amazing in this episode. Every little facial tick she had, everything she did was just so nuanced and wonderful. As they're about to leave, Maeve says that she thinks that she knows someone who can help them with this Arnold situation, and they all leave to go find out. They are, or Maeve is, you have to assume, about to do what we've been kind of theorizing she would do all along. There's that whole place of cold storage down there, and somebody's got to use it. Teddy jumps off the train, kills a Mexican soldier, and stealing his horse, races away, presumably to save Dolores. Teddy has changed a lot. The man in black continues to assault Dolores, but she is confident that her one true love will save her, and she names William. Oh my god, how tragic. The man in black is surprised, and he offers to tell her the true story of what happened to William. You do remember some things. Just so happens I knew a guest named William. It was It was him. William is man of yeah, black. Yeah, when, when, when he said that line, I'm like, well, he's not going to be Logan, is he? No, thank <laughs> no, God. He's just, he's just speaking poetically. <laughs> As I tweeted this week, if Logan was the man in black, it would basically be like Jonah Nolan and Lisa Joy were both taking one thumb each and slowly pushing them into my eyes. The man in black monologues about how William gained his ability to fight back as we see William and Lawrence massacre the Union soldiers. Lawrence is always so helpful, and he's always so down to do uh, a bunch of murdering. 
Do you feel like the William transformation, even though it's been foreshadowed a bunch that William is the man in black, that's not the part that I have uh, any problem with. The part that I have a problem with is the amount of time it took William to, like, make his full switch. You know what I mean? Like, the the, the moment before he, he had his black hat, it was, like, basically what happened last episode, where... Logan just, like, wakes up, and around him are a bunch of dead people with Lars and William shooting, or execution-style people in the back. And that was just overnight. That happens after Logan kind of, like, beats the crap out of Dolores. And then he claims that, you know, the part that really changed him comes later. But, I mean, he's already as William doing all of these pretty nefarious things. Do you feel like that transformation was felt at all forced or went too quickly or do you think it was something that makes sense in the scheme of things well there's one line that logan's about to deliver which kind of speaks to the problem you were just addressing i think that at this point william is still trying to be a good guy and he's rationalizing it like oh these union soldiers hurt dolores and so it's justified if i kill them all maybe yeah, right. I don't it's I I want I want William equals the man in black or I want the transformation to feel more organic than it did. I'm fine with the way it ends up. The way the man in black ends up a jaded dude who's probably one of the richest people on earth who owns Westworld and doesn't fully understand it and is kind of over his entire life whose whose wife is dead, killed herself because he sucked so much. I mean I get that 100%. It's just a little tough for me to get on board with how William is feeling. It felt really quick. I mean, a bunch of awful things happened to him. And seeing Dolores the way she is, I'm sure, has jolted him awake in some way. But as, you know, as William takes out his knife, as William takes out his gun and and does a bunch of awful things, it's just, it's a little hard for me to get on board 100% because that transition felt a little too quick. William interrogates the lone survivor from the army camp, and it's implied that the soldiers raped Dolores. The surviving host claims that Dolores was still alive when he last saw her, and so William shoots him and then guts him with a knife. Yeah, William didn't like that. William doesn't like when people do bad things to Dolores, although now I guess in the future he'll be fine when like he does bad things to Dolores, but everyone else can't. Still dragging Logan behind him, William searched the whole park, but he never found Dolores. When he finally accepts that, he's slaughtered hundreds of hosts, and he's donned a black hat. That moment where he takes that black hat for the first time had a lot of gravitas. It felt really good. In the middle of all of this, Logan on his horse had that picture of his future wife that fell off the horse kind of begs the question if that picture fell in Escalante how did it get to the Abernathy ranch 30 years later but I guess it had to blow all the way there with uh, how fortuitous as he puts that black hat on and makes that transformation completely he he you know is this the part where he becomes Ed Harris or is that later I feel like that might be later yeah well this is the first step Yeah, it's not the complete transformation, but uh, William is definitely as further along as he's ever been. 
He's got Logan tied up to a horse completely naked right behind him at this point. What's he what's he doing, man? What what made him think of this idea? He discusses with Logan his plans to have their company Delos increase their stake in the park, as well as his plans to unseat Logan as president of Delos. Yeah, because Logan was like, this is my company. What are you talking about? And then William's like, yeah, but you're also naked on a horse right now on the fringe of the park. So, good luck. And I think this is the first point we get confirmation that their company is Delos. I think they only kind of danced around that so far. Right. Uh, Their company is Delos. William will eventually become the the sitting board member slash CEO of Delos and own the biggest stake there is in Westworld where obviously he bought in 30 years ago when the price was low and now it's gone up but hey James Mm. what do you think is happening to Logan like right now like Logan just he hits the horse William hits the horse naked Logan on horse goes off and it kind of it was implied that like William is doing this to drive Logan insane or kill him of starvation over time. What's he doing? What's the point of it? Is Logan supposed to die? Is Logan supposed to just go insane out there on this horse naked? What's what do you make of this? Yeah, it's hard to say. So Logan makes a comment to William that this isn't really about Dolores. This is the person you've been this whole time, even though you pretend to be a nice guy. You pretend to be a white hat. You've really been a black hat your whole life. And then William slaps the horse, sends naked Logan on his way. I, maybe you're reading a bit too much into that. I just took it as like, okay, Logan, I'm done with you. Our vacation's over. Have a nice time riding off. You don't think getting... You don't think that he just got Gendry's fate of... Gendry, by the way, is a Game of Thrones character who one day just started rowing off into the distance and hasn't come back. So everyone's like, where is he? Uh, So I thought it would be a little bit of a a Gendry fate where Logan's just off all the time on a horse naked somewhere out there in the wilderness. But I mean, what is William's plan for when he gets home? Because he just did all of these awful things to Logan. If he's not planning for Logan to die in the park... When Logan shows up to the, uh, William's office and is like, hey, I'm still the president. Like, if if William isn't planning for Logan to die in this moment, how does he plan to take over Delos when he gets home is my question. Well, yeah, I'm not sure. They did talk about Vegas rules in a previous episode. And then William makes a remark in this scene where he's like, oh, maybe your dad's going to want a more steady hand running the company. You're a little unbalanced and weird, Logan. So I'm going to take over i'm gonna take your job from you by marrying your sister and being better than you that's nice but they don't show us at all how that actually can happen i assume that could probably occur in later seasons where we find out exactly how william besmirched logan and logan who if he doesn't die out on that horse just says like okay i guess it's yours i guess i'll put up no fight whatsoever I do that stupid condescending voice because I hope that's not how that happens. The man in black goes on to explain that he really did fall in love with Dolores. Though she wasn't able to remember him when next they met. We get a cool scene of William dressed as the man in black. Maybe this is his second trip to Westworld. Yeah. It's shown that he adventured with Dolores many times, trying to follow her to the center of the maze, but they never succeeded. How many times do you think they did that? I think we saw at least like three or four different 
like perspectives like he meets her in the town he meets her in the woods he meets her in the woods but a little bit of a different this time and it hasn't worked out so far but he's he's still trying he asks her one last time to show him the center of the maze and Dolores starts crying yeah she doesn't really know what to do I do kind of find it funny though the final straw the thing that really pushes the man in black over is he loses his save data. You know what I mean? Like, he was a gamer playing a game, and then he walks up to Dolores, and, he, and he's expecting her to be like, oh my god, William, so great for you to be here. Let's keep doing all of our, our weird stuff. We were out there, and now we're here. And he walks up, and she's just not, she's not there anymore. And he's like, oh, gosh, dang, all that work, gone. It's basically like they just... They took an old floppy disk and and they did that thing that makes the floppy disks be not. I'm I'm really dating myself here, talking about floppy disks. This answers a tweet we got. I forget which episode, but someone said, you know, shouldn't there be two Sweetwaters? Actually, this was an email because, like, what if we both want to terrify the ranch family, but there's two guests here occupying it? Apparently not, because William wants to go talk to Dolores, but then some other newcomer gets there before him. So, sad day for him. Apparently there is one Sweetwater, and if Dolores is busy when you get there, you're going to have to deal with it. It doesn't matter that you paid $40,000 a day. We don't really care. Deal with it. Do something else. Do something else. I don't know. The Men in Black berates Dolores for crying, and she explains that she isn't crying for herself, but for him and his doomed mortal humanity. He's like, oh, okay, then you can cry. That's fine. She declares that a new people will build a new world on the ashes of the human race. Jesus. And she tells him that the maze is not for him and turns to leave. Yeah, people keep telling him that. He doesn't care. When he tugs on her arm, she then starts to retaliate, punching him, pushing him into the church. They have a pretty cool fight scene, but Dolores clearly has the upper hand. Dolores is beating the crap out of him, and he's very surprised. She points a gun straight to his head, but she isn't able to kill him. She matrixes out, like, fully. When she goes to turn away and he grabs her by the arm, she turns back with the eyes of just, like, blackness, and and she's she goes into full kung fu mode. At some point, she breaks his arm. He, she breaks his right arm while fighting him. You, we can hear the crack, and we're like, oh, God. Dolores is going in for the kill, dude. As she's standing there, not able to pull the trigger, the man in black knifes her in the chest, and says that he's really disappointed in her, and that he'll just have to find the maze on his own. What he says is that he's been disillusioned again, like, oh, okay, you're not really special. You can't do things that other hosts can't do. He's He is a a guy trying to watch a TV show without being, without a suspension of disbelief. He wants that disbelief so, so badly. He wants to be within a world of fantasy, but he keeps being pulled out of it because the robots aren't real enough. He's just, he's such a hardcore gamer that he wants it to be all real. And every time she doesn't murder him, he's like, oh, come on. Also, you kind of get from this scene, the beginning of Dolores equals Wyatt. He stands to shoot her, but before he can do it, Teddy rides in and incapacitates him with some of those Puff, puff. Shoots him a bunch of times. Shoots him so many times. Did you think at all that it might be real? Uh, I was watching my wife, and she's like, oh no, he killed him, it's real. But if you watch closely, there's little puffs of air. Yeah, I mean, for a a brief moment, 
I thought the man in black was dead. I thought William died right there. I'm like, wow. Anticlimactic. But Teddy got to kill him. That's pretty... Okay, fine. Yeah, well, I think it's because they're so far away from, like, the safe area now. But, yeah, it was nice that Teddy got a little bit of redemption, you know? He got to win for once in his miserable life. Uh, Yeah, I guess if you want to call what's happening right now winning, uh, because he's about to lose wholeheartedly. He scoops up Dolores, and he says that he wants to take her to a doctor, but she asks to be brought to where the mountains meet the sea. (laughs) Yeah, which is like, why? Why did she say that exactly? Maeve and Felix head down to the sub-basement to rescue OG Clementine Pennyfeather best name. Thankfully, oh my, thankfully. I said the word thankfully because I was so taken like by the idea of Clementine Pennyfeather best name coming back into our lives, dude. We didn't get the we didn't get the ball though. We didn't get old Clementine versus new Clementine. I wanted it so badly. I wanted those I wanted those two robots to go at each other and for old Clementine to take care of business. She did in a way, but not with new Clementine. But uh it it, it was fun to watch the old Clementine still kind of lobotomized. She you don't really see any personality in her. But she is here to to murder. She's here to get it done. They happen upon Bernard, who is still lying dead in the same room, and Maeve asks Felix to repair him. Which he does. Our mistress's face throughout this entire scene is wonderful. Every time our mistress sees something new, it's such a genuine look on the actress's face that I, it really pulls me into the scene. Like it, it feels like she's actually seeing all this stuff for the first time. It was really fun to watch. And then... Felix does something here that I think was one of the highlights of the season when he when he looks down and Maeve is like can you bring him back up and Felix is like wait wait Bernard is a host and for a brief moment he kind of does the robot to himself like wait am I a host and Maeve is like oh no idiot shut up you're not a robot which which the audience is like whew we all thought he was a robot too for a moment Bernard is surprised that he's here and that his memory hasn't been wiped. Maeve asks him how many hosts there are that are currently sentient. And Bernard says that it's only a handful because most of them that get close to achieving sentience go completely insane. Yeah, so it goes. As Bernard wakes up, his eyes are like a little wonky. He is not exactly 100% Bernard. He, I don't know what percentage he is, but he's the, some percentage, whatever percentage you would be if you were a robot who had recently shot himself in the head. She asked Bernard to have her painful memories erased, and Bernard says that it's not possible because memories are the first step to consciousness. Yeah, they're at the bottom of the pyramid, man. Can't be doing it. The man in black wakes up and finds the small wooden maze which has been left behind. And Dr. Robert Ford arrives. And they're meeting once more. And their last meeting was one of the best scenes in the in the show. And so this kind of feels like a, a culmination. The man in black is standing there with the answer while Ford arrives to tell him he has no idea what that answer means or is or he is still a pawn in Dr. Ford's game. Ford asks him if he's found what he's really been looking for. And the man in black explains that all he wants is for the host to be free. And to be able to live in the park as real humans and to kill and to die as real humans do. 
Ford tells him to rest assured that his new narrative should definitely please him and invites him to join the nearby celebration with the rest of the board of directors. Yeah, right. The man in black says in that moment that what he's been saying all along, he wants all of these hosts to be free in some way. And then Robert Ford kind of comes back with like, then you better show up tonight. You'll probably be a little surprised. Back in the sub-basement, Arnold explains that upon examination of her code, he's found that everything that's happened so far to Maeve is completely written into a new storyline that's been programmed for her. Yeah, he says someone else beat her to it, to updating herself. And then she was like, I know, they told me it was Arnold, he's been doing some weird stuff in there. And Byron's like, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, your escape is completely scripted. All of this is completely scripted, and what you're doing right now is is not free will. Which is, to me, one of the coolest things that happens this season. It's so great. Yeah, that was an interesting twist. It's a little upsetting, I think, because who's orchestrating this? Two men are dead for nothing. Well, I guess it's not for nothing. And then Maeve thinks that she's getting out. She thinks that she has made progress. And in that moment when she's told that her entire life is still a lie, she is not actually further along than she ever has been. She just rejects it. She can't, she can't, she can't let that be the truth. Right. She completely rejects that premise and she leaves kissing Clementine goodbye. I thought this was her. Oh, this looks like nothing to me moment. Basically, Bernard's like, yeah, you're totally playing into someone else's plan, and none of this was your plan at all. No, no, this is my original thought. You can't no, tell me that. I'm, I am a independent lady who does whatever she feels like. And Bernard's like, nah, dude, you're, uh, you are like I am a part of this game, and we're, we're just, we're marionettes. Uh, and then she walks away. I think she knows in that moment that everything, because her intelligence is turned all the way up. She thinks she knows that she's doomed in that moment, but this is what she's written to do. She has to do it. In the map room, two techs discuss how there's been a sudden temperature shift down in the labs, and they begin to investigate it. Thank God that some investigation as to what has been happening down there has finally begun. How have they taken so long? How have they taken so long to get to the investigation? No one's been looking at the cameras. I, that's what the the first time I saw this, I was like, "Oh, there's a guy who we haven't really seen before." He's he's if this was st- like it would have been Stubbs, you know what I mean? But it, he's not there. Stubbs is somewhere out in the world looking for Elsie, which we didn't get to see at all this episode. We don't know anything about Stubbs or Elsie from from the episode. We did get some clues after, which I'll talk about later. But when they, you know, when they, when these people in the control room start looking into anything, which they should have been doing this entire time, how have they not been looking at any cameras this whole time to see what Felix has been doing, for gosh sakes? But they start looking into it, and within moments, I bet, they're going to be like, oh gosh, so many awful things are happening. Teddy brings the dying Dolores to the beach. Oh god. Teddy tells her that he'll always come back for her, and she tells him that Together they're trapped, not just by the powers of the park, but also by their love for one another. Dolores is still very, very stabbed. She reiterates her initial monologue. Someone once told me there's a path for everyone, a path that leads me to you. Some people see the ugliness in the world. I choose to see the beauty, but uh, that beauty is not real, man. We're trapped. She dies in his arms and Teddy weeps bitterly. 
amazing scene. Just so emotionally heavy and Evan Rachel Wood does a perfect job. And James Marsden kills it too. Holding her close, Teddy tells her that maybe one day they can find a new world and that maybe their death is just the beginning of a new chapter. Sounds perfectly written. He freezes as a spotlight hits them both and the board begins to applaud. Truly a surprise. An actual actual surprise that this show just gave me. All of this, all of it has been Ford. And this is his final piece of his narrative. As that light turns on and Ford walks into view in front of the entire gala, all the board dressed up and or the board plus friends and fam dressed up to the nines to watch this final act of Dolores and Teddy on the beach with the moon in the background. I feel like a little bit of a callback to the Truman show. I thought Ed Harris was going to become the moon at any given moment, but he couldn't, he was, he was at the gala and a truly, I think wonderful moment in television history. When that spotlight turns on, it was so great. Ford stands up, takes a bow and introduces this as his new narrative, which he calls A Journey Into Night. So not only is this an intensely tragic moment for Dolores and Teddy, but they're going to have to relive it over and over again in this narrative, I guess. Charlotte seems to like it, but Lee is not impressed. Why would he be? He's, he's He's supposed to be not impressed. That's like his deal. She reminds him about their plan and how it's still in motion, and he leaves to go do something. Ford orders Teddy to be cleaned up and sent to the party, and he requests that Dolores be sent to the field lab. Yeah, the old field lab. The one in... the the, the secret one that apparently is not a secret because he just told that, that stranger to bring them there. Back in the map room, they discover footage of the attack in the labs, but before they can initiate emergency protocols, the power is cut off and the whole control room is sealed shut. Didn't see that coming. But you know what? That, that's a callback to the original it, 1973 Westworld. That's exactly what I was thinking. As the as the doors closed, I was like, oh no, they're going to suffocate in too little time. In the, if you don't know, in the movie, all the techs get closed into a room and they they die eventually because all the air gets sucked out or they, or they breathe all the air, which should have taken like years and years and years, but in the movie took moments. So I was like, oh no, they're going to unexplicably die inexplicably that's not a word unexplicably it's it's it is now i've made it i've done it gosh dang mave felix hector and armistice take an elevator up to the upper floors where a security team is searching for rogue hosts masquerading as deactivated normal hosts hector and armistice are able to disarm and kill several security members while armistice is on the elevator going up She's in back of Felix, and she blows on his ear, which is so funny. Again, all the little mannerisms that Armistice is doing this entire time are so, so, so great. Maeve makes it a point to be like, I'm not going back. The audience already kind of knows that this is all for naught. All you're do- all that she's doing right now is playing into somebody's hand, and we just have to kind of figure out how. And finally, there's a SWAT team for real, although they are basically the SWAT team of Armistice's and Hector's dreams because they all can't shoot. They're all basically stormtroopers from the first Star Wars movie. There's a great little moment here where after they they kill and take their guns from their first victims, they 
they get a feeling of like what an automatic weapon actually is and they're both just like what yeah they're all they're both so psyched they're like we've been using pistols and shotguns this entire time but i gotta tell you we gotta get a few of these down in the ghost town the members of the board are having a really nice time though william the man in black seems kind of sad and he has a broken arm still. You can kind of tell that his arm, he can't really move his right arm because Dolores just messed it up. We see a couple familiar faces. Teddy's there entertaining. Lawrence is there entertaining. Teddy is shooting things off of Cyburn Trevor's head. You hope for a moment that he turns into Trevor from Grand Theft Auto and, re- and gets real with all these people, but he's just there to be a sideshow. Bernard walks through the crowd completely undetected. Whoa, Bernard's there. He he shouldn't be there. He just got shot in his head. On one of the upper floors, the escape team comes across several samurai hosts, which Felix claims would be too hard to explain. Yeah, too hard to explain to the audience or to that robot in that moment. More security officers arrive, but Hector and Armistice dispatch them effortlessly. Yeah, whatever, dude. Samurai world, uh, East world, Shogun world, whatever it is, holy crap. We were like, we were all kind of wondering, not all, me and you were wondering if there was going to be a Roman world or a medieval world, and there's not going to be either of those things. We get one better, we get Shogun world or, or Samurai world or East world, I don't know which one they're going to call it. The The logo looks very intense, I want to see the logo, I want to I dive deep into what that logo means. And then Felix is like, this is hard to explain? What do you mean it's hard to explain? Is there a whole other world? Is it world number one, world number two? We do see a, a, something about that later. Or is this like, is that what's going to enter Westworld? Like, or is that going to be a, a thing that happens to Westworld? Or is it going to be two separate parts? Either way, we have another world that we didn't even know anything about. And it's neither of the worlds that were in the movie. I don't know. I thought that was like one of the coolest parts of the finale. Oh, yeah. I, I would totally be ex- like, I don't know how that would work exactly. Like narratively wise, like maybe they could introduce a new world. And then half of season two's that, half of season two's Westworld. I came up with the name Edo World, which is the medieval name for Tokyo. Maybe we could call it Edo World. If if everybody doesn't know, a little fun tidbit is that James right now is in Japan. Uh, what time is it where you are right now? It's almost 10 o'clock at night. Right. It's 7.53 a.m. where I am in Connecticut on the east coast of the United States. James lives in Japan he has this, he has a, an amazing little family. He's married, has a baby coming, and he knows a little bit more about Japanese culture than I do. And by a little bit, I mean just immensely more. So Edo World is something I've never heard of in my entire life, but I like it just to be due to your inside knowledge to the subject. <laughs> As she's protecting the rest of the group, Armistice's arm gets caught in a closing security door, and she urges the rest of them to go on without her. Which is convenient, number one. Feels like it was written, number two. And right before that happens, uh, Armistice has a wonderful line where she says, quote, the gods are pussies. And you're like, oh, Armistice, you're fun. On what seems to be the final floor, they get to a elevator and Hector isn't able to enter. He's not physically able to get into the elevator. Yeah, Maeve didn't let that happen, apparently. Hector has to stay behind and, and be used as bait as well. Armistice and Hector both thought they were going to be uh, getting out, too. Turns out they're just pawns in what we think was Maeve's game, but it wasn't actually Maeve's. 
Felix packed a bag for Maeve. Like, Felix was asked to get a very specific things for Maeve, and he's like, God, I'll pack your bag. So he did that. Felix is very helpful for the end of the world, or what he thinks is the end of the world. And the moment that elevator opened, I thought Ford was going to be there. Turns out he wasn't. He's busy doing some other stuff. But uh, Hector gets boned, has to turn around, and, you know, starts opening fire with an automatic weapon, assumably dying right there to help Maeve escape further. He's got a good attitude about it, though. He kisses her and wishes her good luck. Yeah, he has a great attitude about being used and dying. In the field lab basement, Ford interviews Dolores about Arnold, and then Bernard arrives. He says Dolores has always had a fondness for painting, and that Arnold gave her that. He wanted to instill upon her something that had lasting beauty. And then he shows the painting of God creating Adam, by Michelangelo that is on the wall and explains to Dolores the metaphor that that painting has or the reason it's it's there and when he starts to explain this metaphor Dolores returns with like do you mean a lie by metaphor do you mean lie Bernard accuses Ford of having killed Arnold and Ford denies it and launches into the sad story of Arnold oh it's it's super sad just just start going, James. Like, I can't hold on. After his son died, Arnold became interested in bringing life back into the world through the hosts. Hubris. He developed... Sorry, go ahead. I said hubris. Just keep going. <laughs> he developed a test called the maze to prove sentience. And after Dolores passed, he knew that he had to stop the park. He got the idea from a toy that his son had, which was an actual maze with a little ball in it that you tip and you make it go through. Uh, and that is what eventually was buried at Dolores' gravesite. He initiated a plan to have Dolores and Teddy kill all the other hosts and then kill himself in the hopes that this would be a big enough disaster to close the park for good. Apparently not. Before she shoots him, Arnold tells her, these violent delights have violent ends. Charlie's favorite song is playing. Charlie is Arnold's ex-son. He puts on the song Reveries by Debussy again. uh, We've heard this song a few times. And Arnold prepares to die. This plan fails, though. Ford covered up the entire incident and kept the park open anyway. And then... When Delos invested all their money, it ensured the park's success for several years. Right, none of this mattered because William was there. And went home and put in all the money, and apparently Logan didn't put up any fight whatsoever, or is dead, or or something. I don't know. Ford goes on to reveal that Dolores' gun is the same one which she used to kill Arnold. And the one uh, that is buried outside of her house, which he, I guess... I think tells her in this moment that Bernard was the one who put it there. Finally, Ford asks Dolores if she's found what she's been looking for, and she gives him no response. Yeah, she's not sure yet. He asks for her forgiveness before leaving, and Arnold follows him out. In that moment, didn't it kind of look like, for the first time, Dr. Robert Ford was rooting for Dolores? Kind of, and then he was doing a lot of for the first time, like, explaining himself. 
when a lot of the times when Bernard <laughs> would accuse him of stuff, he'd be like, nah, man, you're not getting it. I've got other stuff going on. He, yeah, he was kind of taking the time to say, like, yeah, I did this stuff for these reasons, and I'm sorry. He actually apologizes. He does not give the price of business. He kept saying, like, it's, that's, how it, that's how it goes. And then that had to be fine, I guess. Had to be, like, the reason Ford was doing all these things. But uh, as it turns out, his mindset is a little different than the audience probably thinks it is. Still riding the elevator, Felix gives Maeve information on her daughter's location. Because she asked him to. Something that she asked him to do was get a piece of paper that says where her daughter is. Her daughter is still in the park, probably assigned to be another character. And did you notice that on that piece of paper, it said Park 1? I mean, there were like Sector 15 or something like, and then other attributes. But it said Park 1 as to infer that there's more than one park, and is that park Shogun World or Edo World? Or ah, it's all very exciting. Before stepping out of the elevator, she loads a pistol, and she tells Felix that he's a terrible human being, and she means that as a compliment. I think the best Mave line of the season, uh, uh, other than the one that comes right before this, when she basically says that. Uh, she never had a daughter. You know, he gives her the piece of paper, and then she really kind of breaks out finally. And is like, you know what? She's not my real daughter, and I wasn't her real mother. Whoever made me made me that way, so I don't care. And I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta get on this train. Uh, and then that's lying to to Felix that he is a terrible human being, and and that's the best part about him. You know, I think this is probably Maeve's best episode by far. In the church, Bernard confronts Ford. He tells him that Arnold is still fighting against him and one day will bring down the system and save the hosts. Here is when he says something that I think the audience has been thinking a little bit, where the reveries were not something that Ford put in, but something that Arnold activated and that Ford had to fight back against. And Ford doesn't say otherwise. Ford declares, though, that Arnold never really knew how to save the hosts, but that Ford does. And all these changes happening under Arnold's name are actually things that Robert Ford has been doing. That's the one thing. None of these theories on Reddit or podcasts, nobody guessed that. Nobody guessed that Dr. Robert Ford was writing the script for literally everything. Which I guess we should have, because the entire time he's like, Dear audience, I'm a god. How do you guys not get that yet? And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're pretty godlike, but like not god godlike. No, man. He's been god this whole time. He goes on to say that losing Arnold helped him understand the necessity of pain to the human condition, and that hosts need to suffer more to better understand their true enemy. Right. When he did that pyramid earlier in uh, another episode, he was talking about the top part of the pyramid and how it that uh, Arnold really hadn't gotten there yet. And it seems as though in this moment, Dr. Robert Ford is positing that the stuff that's missing is constant pain and suffering. So he had to instill that into the hosts. And this first 30 years of really just beating them down was only step number one. Ford shakes Bernard's hand, bids him farewell and wishes him good luck. 
as he does that, he says something to the effect of, you know, back in the day, you could really just tell by a robot's hand that it was a robot. So, remember this moment for a little later. Arnold appears before Dolores and asks if she finally understands who she's been talking to this whole time. Right beforehand, she's still looking at the painting, still looking at herself in the mirror, doing the red eye test uh, from, not red eye, the red dot test from earlier in the season, what we talked about. She knows exactly what she's looking at. She's looking at herself and uh, she has to figure out what she's going to do now. Arnold's form shifts into one of Dolores, and then she finally understands that it's been her own consciousness that's been guiding her this whole time. Instead of the voice of someone else, it's been her own sentience talking to her. Basically, two halves of the same whole. Yeah, which is basically as close to a human being as I think any robot has gotten, right? I mean, she's listening to herself. She is the one telling her what to do. At the party, some familiar hosts are entertaining the guests. Ford asks to have a private moment with Charlotte Hale, and William, the man in black, is getting drunk. Sidebar, do we call the man in black William now forever? Do we call Bernard Arnold now forever? I think we still have to differentiate between Arnold and Bernard. And I think the man in black is the man in black until we know that Jimmy Simpson's character, young William is not in season two, but until then, he's the man in black to me. Dr. Robert Ford kicks off a toast by talking about the importance of stories, which he describes as lies that tell a deeper truth. In the background, the player piano is playing Radiohead's exit music, parentheses, for a film, end parentheses. The first lines of uh, Radiohead's exit music is, Wake from your sleep, the drying of your tears. Today we escape. We escape. Man in Black William grabs a bottle of whiskey off the bar and walks away in disgust. Yeah, he's not psyched about how the day went, how the last few weeks have gone. He's put a lot of effort into something. He was kind of hoping he'd be dead at this point, and the fact that he's alive is a real bummer. On the outgoing train, Maeve sees a human mother with her daughter and then double-checks the information on her daughter that Felix gave her. She doesn't care. I don't care. I don't care. She's not my daughter. She's not my daughter. Crap! Charlotte Hale is listening to the toast with tears in her eyes. Yeah, why? Ford says that this world is a monument to human sin, and that humans never change. That's something that's been said a few times. And so he constructed a new narrative for people who could truly change. His new narrative begins with the birth of a new people and the choices they will make. Okay. So right here, nobody in the audience is freaking out. So nobody has figured... But, like, right when he says that, shouldn't everybody in the audience look at each other and be like, Is he... Is he about to... Is he about to murder all of us? Yeah, monument to human sin. I don't like the sound of that. Right. You know, I don't... Gosh, this I want to talk about the Red Wedding right here, and I won't talk about about it in any spoilerific, but it is a large event that happened in Game of Thrones. By the way, I know, completely conscious of the fact that we talk about too much of Game of Thrones on our Westworld podcast, but when it's the other huge HBO show, I think you have to put it up against this, it kind of felt like a Red Wedding moment, which I won't spoil what that is for you, but it felt like that... Well, I kind of have, but I, I, I won't... It felt like that kind of moment where... 
the audience knows something before all of the characters do and the characters and you're kind of just waiting for the characters to sit there and click be like oh oh crap Maeve gets off the train at the last moment and all of the lights in the station go out yeah what's happening there it doesn't but I mean Maeve as the lights go out you kind of see her face go hmm I was never meant to leave I was always meant to stay my life sucks. Lee heads to the sub-basement and finds that all of the decommissioned hosts have disappeared. This is my favorite part. I love... Well, it's my second favorite thing that happens in this episode. I love this so much. Maeve's entire storyline was to be the distraction for Dr. Robert Ford to be able to empty out all of the hosts that have been put in cold storage. At this point, you have to assume that the hosts put in cold storage are not just regular hosts. They're not just the ones who... And we know this. The ones in cold storage are not the ones who are just, like, weirdly and nuanced malfunctioned. They're the ones who went crazy. Peter Abernathy was down there. Clementine is down there. They're the ones who started to go a little bit odd. And Dr. Robert Ford has been storing them down there so that one day he can take all the ones who are closer to sentience than he thinks uh, the other ones are, the ones who are closer to becoming the new race that he has just said to everybody that he wants to become the race that rules the world, basically, and that he thinks 30 years ago they weren't ready. He was Arnold is the uh, the father who thinks that his son or daughter is ready to enter the world too early, and... Dr. Robert Ford is the one who is like, you know what? I think they need a little bit more time. I need, I think they need to learn their enemy a bit more. And Maeve's storyline, the one that I've been complaining about this entire time to be flimsy and weird, has been purposely flimsy and weird because Ford wrote it that way. It has all been a distraction for what Ford is about to do. That moment was really cool. The man in black, having wandered away from the party, begins to see... Hooded figures, Wyatt's men, moving on the party from the woods. But not as cool as this moment. This was my favorite one. The man in black is on the outskirts of the party. Ford is basically telling the party what's about to happen to them, but they're not paying attention. The man in black's not really listening. He's smoking a cigarette, having a drink, and then watching the woods. Because the woods is moving. Ford says that his new narrative begins with a villain named Wyatt and a killing. Yeah. Dolores appears behind Teddy and tells him not to worry because she realizes that this world belongs to them. Yeah, she like grabs him awkwardly. She's like, hey, like from behind, like, what's up? Don't worry about anything, bro. I got you. Right before we left her, when she was sitting in the old house, she turned around and looked at that gun, the gun that she killed Arnold with and that she still has. What's she going to do with that gun, James? Who knows? Me. I do. I do. Everybody. <laughs> we, all, we all do. Ford goes on to announce his retirement and says that true artists never really die and they live on through their art. Yeah, they said, you know, Chopin and Bach become their music. They don't die. And Charlotte Hale is so relieved. Thank God. He's just he's just going down without a fight, which is, oh, the, this has worked out perfectly. As he raises his glass, Dolores kills him. What? She, like, slowly comes behind him 
is walking up. He raises his glass. He looks like he knows exactly what's about to happen to him. He he knows where that gun was, where Dolores was. And in that moment, right before he gets shot in the back of the head, which we don't see the front of his face. We don't see, like... Remember in that scene where Hector is stealing from Maeve the first time with painted black happen orchestrally in the background during the pilot where uh and then Maeve eventually see has that happen to her again and then the guy is like I'll just take one of these one of these girls instead of what's in the safe and then she blows out the front of his face I was kind of hoping that was what was going to happen to Anthony Hopkins but I guess you can't blow the front of Anthony Hopkins's face off can't do that to your star so we only see the back of his head get shot but Dolores kills him Dolores has now killed both of her creators and but the first and the first time was written for her Arnold wrote that he that she did this and the second time it seems was written for her too yeah and mirroring when she killed Arnold as she kills Dr. Robert Ford Bernard says these violent uh, delights have violent ends yeah Ford wrote that Dolores kills him like that's what you get from that right Dolores didn't do this for her own free will Dr. Robert Ford writes in that this happens yeah yeah for sure for sure for sure Wyatt's men shoot the men in black in the arm and he smiles incredulously so it kind of feels like Dolores is Wyatt at this point right Mm. and it's it wasn't and Wyatt's men quote unquote shoot him it, and then we go to the woods, and it's not just one of Wyatt's men. It is Clementine Pennyfeather, best name, with a pump shotgun, being like, Hey, bud. Sah, dude. Right, so it's actually the decommissioned hosts have come for their revenge. And they all look awesome in the woods. Clementine Pennyfeather, best name, got a Glock Part 2, and she just shot the man in black in the arm. And... Uh, my favorite thing this entire series my favorite thing that has happened in this show Ed Harris looks up from his arm that actually just got shot it was not a puff of smoke he just got grazed in the arm by a bullet he looks back towards the woods with a smile that to end all smiles he's so happy this is bliss he can die he's psyched he's like they did it (laughs) they finally finally (laughs) and it's gonna be me plus everybody I guess Although we don't see that. We don't see how that ends. The episode ends with Dolores, expressionless, firing into the crowd. Yeah, she is Wyatt. Her her and her army coming out of the woods is there to start murdering everybody. But we do not see the man in black die. We do not see Charlotte Hale die. We don't see anybody die. We just see that the massacre is about to happen. But we do not see how it goes. And, and the season's done. And the season's all done. Except for the fact that what you were about to say, there's a post-credit scene like this is a Marvel movie. Right. In a post-credit scene, Armistice frees herself by cutting off her own arm, James Franco style. 127 hours. I don't need any of that time. Gods are pussies. I'm not. And that's, that's, that's the end. Yeah, and she goes off and kills all of those guards who are very easy to murder, apparently. Armistice still in the basement. Hopefully Armistice, like, finds... East World slash Shogun World and it's just there for the whole season next season that would be amazing just undercover although because it has it as it stands people who work there really don't check the the cameras so let's go right before we go into anything let's run down where everybody is right now 
Maeve is outside the train station and it's all black. Dolores is shooting into a crowd. The man in black is right outside that crowd looking at uh, an entire army marching straight at him. So he doesn't have a, a really good shot, right? Charlotte Hale is in the crowd. Lars is... Where's Lars? We don't know where Lars is. He's in the past. He's there too. He was doing magic tricks. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was doing he was doing card tricks. Lars is there too. Teddy is there. He's like just kind of hanging out. And Dolores is like, don't worry about anything. Arnold dead. Bernard. Violent delights have violent ends. Kind of watching the massacre happen. Oh my God. Uh, Sylvester still standing there where Maeve told him to. Felix is somewhere who had just been used completely by Doctor Robert Ford. Uh, he is not a robot, but he might as well have been. Armistice. Elsie and Stubbs oh, missing yeah. in action. Yes, and the Westworld website just changed. If you now type in something very specific, it gives you a echolocator for Elsie's position and a little MP4 that plays, and it says, Hello? Are you there? And it's Elsie's voice as to say that Elsie is alive and that Stubbs and Elsie together forever. I was sad that we got 90 minutes. How did we not get any inkling of what's happening to them? But the website has basically told us. I don't know if you'd probably, you probably didn't know that, but I was sleuthing next last night after the, after the finale happened because I was so amped. And a certain, the website, at least if it's correct, is Elsie and Stubbs are alive and they're somewhere and they're doing something and there's a reason they're alive and I don't know why. So I have a one. I have a, a few questions for you. Number one, remember in that old in the old little field lab where we thought that Ford was creating one of a new Teresa, like a new robot. There, we thought that was going to be Teresa, and then he was like, "Teresa's dead." We we're like, "Oh, I guess that's not Teresa." And then we were like, "Oh, I bet he's creating a new Elsie." And then we kind of just got confirmation from the website, the the Discover Westworld website that. Perhaps Elsie and Stubbs are still alive for whatever reason, so that's not Elsie either. He's not just making an Elsie. So it begs the question, who is Ford making uh, in his basement for no one to know? And is it Dr. Robert Ford? And and did Dolores just shoot a host and not the actual Ford? Yeah, we had talked about this before recording, and I think that's a really interesting theory. And then it also goes back to when Ford shook hands with Bernard, and they kind of had a look there for a moment. Was that also a hint? Right. It kind of felt like, I told y'all to remember that for later, it kind of felt like a hint in that moment that Dr. Robert Ford was telling Bernard that he wasn't the actual Ford, perhaps. But I also think that this is an easy out for the showrunners. Dr. Robert Ford is played by Anthony Hopkins, who is not a young, sprightly dude. And I think that, you know, they have to pretty much at the end of every season have it be that, like, Dr. Robert Ford might die or he might be dead just in case that uh, Anthony Hopkins... Like, it's sad to say, and it, and it sucks to talk about somebody's death even before it happens. George R.R. R. Martin has to deal with this all the time because people are like... George, could you finish your book before you die? And he's like, hey, guys, could you not talk about me dying? It's kind of a bummer. But they have to basically do this at the end of every season because Anthony Hopkins is so old. So when we get in between this season, like, if Anthony Hopkins lives and gets to the second season, which isn't coming out until 2018, and either way, does that affect what the end of this is? Is Dr. Robert Ford alive? We don't know. A lot of questions about Maeve in this one. It kind of seems like she's the false Dolores. Maybe to take the heat off of Dolores, it's like, oh, 
I scripted this one host to pretend to become sentient and escape so that no one will notice the real sentient host who's going to escape. Right. I mean, she was a perfectly scripted distraction, which kind of adds validity to her entire storyline throughout the season. I'm sorry I was a naysayer to you, Maeve. It kind of all pulled together at the end. I, I still will say that all of those scenes leading up to now kind of felt weird. But at the end of it, I was like, okay, I'll take that. All right, so should we jump into the tweets? We got a couple. I guess, we'll, yeah, we'll jump into the tweet. Okay, let's do this. Penny for the best name, at he owes me five bucks. What a kick-ass Jeffrey Wright showcase episode nine is. The warmth and humanity of pre-Bernard Arnold is lovely. Yeah, the Emmys are going to be tough this year just because of the competition inside the show, let alone outside it. And I also picked up on that, that, God, he's such a good actor that there's a distinct Arnold character and a distinct Bernard character, and you can actually tell them apart. Yeah, they have different mannerisms and and different vocal cues. It's just wonderful performances all around. Corey Williams at Geometroid says, Best name, got a Glock. LOL. I love that dude. Hey, you're that dude that he's talking about. Thanks. And best name, got a second Glock today. Was the first person to actually shoot William. And so, you know, she gets a special little tap on the back for that one. Corey Williams at Geometroid goes on to say, All the quote-unquote people in this show are robots. Human society has collapsed, and that was the critical failure. The robots are probably designed to carry on humanity or restart it or something. I think he might be a little bit ahead of himself. Well, he's he's right about, like, you know, Dr. Robert Ford said, I'm going to make a new people and they're going to start a new world. So it kind of is catching on to something. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think he might be correct, but I think he might be predicting what the end of this show wants to be for Dr. Robert Ford and not what it is right now. Andy Sachs at Andy Sachs says, Maeve has the kinkiest sex on TV from stab me in the stomach and fuck me as we get shot to let's fuck in the flames of this campsite. Andy's not wrong. Uh, at Stargirl at Obzies <laughs> comments that she really does. And don't forget the choke me until I'm dead sex with the one guest. Yeah, she's had a lot of violent kinky sex. Do you think that was all written by Ford? Do you think that was just part that Ford was writing his erotic fantasies? Like, I know in the end that you have to do all this stuff and be a distraction for the cold storage thing so that Dolores can eventually maybe murder me, but but I ship you real hard, so I'm going to write you some stuff. It's a dirty old man. You dirty boy, Dr. Robert Ford. Dirty old man who might be murdered. Dorota Dude at Dorota Got writes, What about... Charlotte is William's daughter. I mean, maybe, but when the army is coming in and is about to murder everybody, he doesn't turn around and go try to protect his daughter. He's just psyched that he got shot. So, I don't, I don't, I don't personally, I don't think so. Uh, I, w- I saved this for this tweet. I still think Charlotte Hale is a host. I think the reason Charlotte Hale was crying during the 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 party is because. When Ford pulled her away for the private conversation, he's like, oh, by the way, you're a host and everything you've done has been playing into my plan. Thank you for your diligent work. I promise you aren't about to get killed because they're not after hosts. Good luck. Oh, man. If that's true, then that's uh, tragic for her. And I guess the first like if if Dr. Robert Ford's plan is to make all of the robots get there eventually, that's probably going to be nice for her cornerstone. 
just to witness a massacre and then wake up again would be a real, real bummer for her. I guess less of a bummer than dying, though. So, I don't know. Lobo at Snarky Desad writes, I'm exhausted. I love picking Westworld apart, but True Detective had a solid plot by episode 5. No, quote-unquote, skin in the game yet, lol. So apparently he's making a, a comparison between this and True Detective unfavorably. I think this is one of those shows where if you don't have skin in the game by the end of the pilot, just stop watching it. You're not going to like it. So why did you get to five? Like, I, I, I guess giving it giving it the chance is really nice. But I mean, that's what pilots are for. If you don't like a pilot, stop watching the show. <laughs> and if you got skin in the game, you stay in the game. Yeah, right. You got to you got to see it to the very end. So, you know, that Maeve's storyline is hasn't been that stupid after all. And you don't get a win unless you play in the game. Right, the man in black is talking about his game all the time. He's about to win the game, too, in his mind. Oh, by Ash the way, Rodriguez. wait, before we keep going, we didn't even talk about the moment where William uh, the, is the hat, and then it, he looks up and it turns into the man in black. Did you think that was a cool, a cool, a cool, a cool thing? I just really loved William in man in black clothes, which he then, 35 years later, decided, yeah, I'm going to go exactly with the black clothes I had last time. That's what I liked. We might not be getting Ben Barnes back as Logan next season. We might not be getting back Jimmy Simpson. I don't see like a version. I don't know. I don't have no idea what next season is going to be, but I don't know that we're going to get the 30 years ago timeline anymore. I'm not sure what there is to add there. We might not get Jimmy Simpson. We might not get Anthony Hopkins. Did this show just kill off most of its big stars? Except for, you know, Evan Rachel Wood, who is, in my mind, the, the star of all stars. But did they just kill everybody? Well, I've got some thoughts on that. We could talk about it now, or we could save it for our big season one expose extravaganza. That's next week, everybody. Tune in. Um, you can touch on it right now. Well, I was just going to say, maybe this is wacky. It will be like a prequel season because they've. I almost. I, I want to say they wrote themselves into a corner. Maybe that's because I'm too unoriginal. I think it's a prequel season. I think the I think this has been setting up for what's ha- supposed to be happening this entire time, which is season two. I think, and Jonah Nolan in the after interview was like, season one is kind of the preamble, and then season two is the chaos that it creates. So I'm psyched. I'm psyched. I'm sad though that this is like the farthest away we will ever be from season two after season one ends. Uh, it's a dark, dark day. Ash Rodriguez at A Rodriguez. Ryan tweeted, Clementine versus Clementine is the dream. Who will be the penny feather to rule them all? Best name bowl 2016 hype. He then went on to tweet the actresses who play the different Clementines. Do you guys have a favorite? I'll allow full bias for this moment. Neither of them had a favorite. Although, Louis Hurtham did, and he wrote in, and he said that he agreed with somebody else who tweeted at us that OG Clementine was OG Clementine. He can't get better than the old lady. And she's not even that old. I mean, they're both pretty old robots, but sorry, uh, Lily Simmons, Angela Safarian won the Twitter battle. I'm sure you guys are all very upset. Last night, Corey Williams at Geometroid just tweeted, Woohoo! having a good time i think he was psyched about how everything went so okay i know we're gonna get into this in the extravaganza next week i'm I'm glad that we're now calling it the extravaganza i and we're gonna get into all of what happened in season one and and what we believe season two will be but i guess as we're wrapping up this final show 
about while during the time in which the show <laughs> that Westworld season one is actually on. What is your main takeaway from season one? And what are your hopes for season two? Mm. I would say my main takeaway from season one is that in 11 to 12 hours, you can tell an epic sprawling story that is completely open-ended and at the same time completely shut. And my hope for season two is that it's still good because season one, I feel like, has like slammed the door on all these different things. And I don't know how they're going to get back to zero. I think they have it very well planned and they want the idea of how in the world do you do anything now to be the feeling that we all have. They want it to be a mystery. They they knew how this show was going to be watched. They knew that Reddit was going to pick it apart inch by inch, and they still managed to, to surprise us. They are successfully running circles around their audience a lot of the time. We got we got a few of the things, but it was all kind of cursory to the fact that Ford was doing all of this, which we really hadn't brought in up. We hadn't brought that up. I mean, they just... But now that you think about it, it all kind of makes sense, which is the way that a show is supposed to be. It's supposed to, you know, leave you guessing, but also really excite you for the future. And that's what I took away from season one. And from season two... I hope we get Peter Abernathy one back. I hope we get Anthony Hopkins back. I hope we get the 30 years ago storyline a little bit more. I want to know what happened to Logan. Why isn't he, what happened to Logan within these 30 years for him not to do anything to put, to derail William. I'm sure he had to try if he's not dead. I have a lot of questions, but I also feel like, like you just said, season one feels like a story within itself that, if you just watched, I saw a lot of people saying last night, like, that could have been the series finale and I would have been fine. And I completely agree. It is one of the better seasons of television I have ever watched. I don't think it's my favorite season of television I've ever watched. I, I probably still give that to to this last season of Game of Thrones. But it's up there and it was brilliantly, brilliantly done. And I'm glad that we were on this ride this entire time. Along with you guys who came along with us. Thanks, guys. Lauren at Very Lovely LJ responding to someone else's tweet. Someone else had tweeted, I hope Felix is safe, hashtag Westworld. To which Lauren replied, Felix is in the unemployment line or possibly jail. Nothing he did made sense. He's on all the cameras. Yeah, and they finally showed us that people are now actually looking at the cameras, That that which has been like one of the bigger knocks on the Maeve storyline, that nobody's looking at the cameras. But yeah, Felix and Sylvester feel like they're going to be back in season two. Jonah Nolan and Lisa Joy actually tweeted slash put on Reddit a uh, a really funny gif of the actors who play Felix and Sylvester dancing around naked with one of the uh, uh, right in the basement. I don't know why they did that, but I did enjoy it. Really, though, Felix is like, I'm going to do this nice thing and set Maeve free and get dozens of people killed in the process. She's a big version of his bird, man. So don't worry about it. Also, he's been manipulated by an evil genius this entire time. I guess so. It's just like, do you even feel bad, Felix? Like, those security members and those techs, like, had families, maybe children. Now they're dead. Yeah, and all of them are murdered because of you. So 
Good and job. Dave didn't you, even leave. No, she and she was being she was a pawn this entire time. So Dr. Robert Ford had to be fine with all those people dying as well. Apparently, this entire race of robots becoming sentient is way more important than all those people dying, which I mean, I guess makes sense to Robert Ford. In response to that, one tequila two three four says that the hosts will protect Felix for what he did for them. Which is a funny idea. It's like, you're one of the good ones, Felix. We're gonna, you can be our pet. Perhaps Felix becomes like the human general in the host army. That would be neat. And Sylvester is like, the, <laughs> Sylvester is just does his bidding. We did get one email this week from Laura C. Laura C., your email is very long. I read the whole thing. I will now attempt to summarize it for everyone. Basically, she brought up a lot of different questions, and she made a lot of different points. Uh, one... <laughs> Sorry. She was like, she said a lot of stuff. Well, uh, first, she kind of was musing about what is Westworld, the show, trying to say to us about the human condition? What's the subtext of the show? Does it have something to say about the way we treat other people? Which is an interesting thought. Yeah, I think it. I think it obviously is. This show is a mirror, and you're supposed to look at yourself. A lot like Dolores does. <laughs> oh, she also says, Will Dolores evolve, or has she already evolved? And are the hosts a creation of a new people? Which, that's a great call, Laura, because Dr. Robert Ford basically said exactly that. Yeah, Dr. Robert Ford is kind of hoping for the genocide of the human race and believes that his toys are would be better off running the world. So that's what he's doing, I guess. Another really interesting thing she brought up, has Bernard passed the Maze test? Is he now on the same level as Dolores? I think you have to assume that Maeve, Bernard, and Dolores are farther ahead than everyone else is, probably at, at, at different levels at this point. Dolores being the one who is the most far ahead. Nobody else just shot Dr. Robert Ford in his, in his brain. Um, but yeah, they're going to be integral parts of whatever happens in season two and beyond. Uh, she also brings up the fact that they've been wiping away their painful memories. So kind of resetting them back to the zero. But now we know from this last episode, the whole point of the reveries is to keep those painful memories inside and build upon them. Because that's Dr. Robert Ford's plan for robot consciousness. Like every canvas that Dolores paints, Dr. Robert Ford knows that a human life is available and and real because of its layers because of the amount of suffering and pain that we as human beings have to relive over and over again and he believes that arnold jumped the gun and to literally and that all of that pain needed to be layered over time and he believes that those layers are perhaps almost there because he allows dolores to do what he thinks needs to happen to get her to that next step and that is to kill not one but both of her creators all right guys thanks for coming with us on this wild journey oh my god the entire season one right this has been so crazy just the show getting way bigger than i ever thought it was going to be thanks everybody who sent us tweets and emails this entire season i hope you go back and and watch this entire show again and and then revisit these podcasts with us i know that we will as well uh it's been such an honor to be here with so many people who really love something that's fiction i mean we it, this is this is a story that we all have just been really invested in and 
it's been really cool to you know live this season of television with 4,000 people every week it's it's been really neat yeah I want to just express the exact same thoughts thanks to everybody but hey the Westworld podcast is not over we still here baby we still here we're going to be back next week. We're going to talk about the entire season one, what we liked, what we didn't like, what worked, what didn't work. And we want to invite all you out there listening, if you haven't already, send us anything about season one. Your thoughts, your theories, your questions. Not that we'll be able to answer them. No. But anything, send it in. We'll read it on the show. We'll talk about it. Yeah, this uh, this this show next week is really about you guys. Uh, tell us what you think about season one, what you think is going to happen in season two and beyond. Uh, it's really what the fan reaction is has been to to these seasons, and then uh, we will walk through and analyze. There might be a few special guests along the way, and then after that, we're going to be doing a movie club. We're going to be doing a Let's Play with Red Dead Redemption. This channel is not going to die over the next year and a half that we're waiting for Westworld. I'm sure we'll do a rewatch. I'm sure we'll be talking about a bunch of things. Please stay with James and I. Don't leave us. But yeah, for next week... Questions, comments, criticisms, if you've got them. Yeah. Send them all in. We want to talk about it. Like Ryan said, we've got a lot of stuff planned coming down the pike. If you're a fan of recaps, and if you're a fan of anime, I've got another podcast where I recap anime. Ryan's been in a few episodes. That's true. So that's Anime Rewind. You can find us on SoundCloud or iTunes or Google Play. Anime Rewind. That's it. It's uh, it's okay. <laughs> it's pretty good. I, I'm starting another podcast as well called Deep Dives, where we talk about the things that people Google for too long and know so much about that never have any moments to tell anybody about. Uh, I'm starting that one next week, and so that first episode should be up next week as well. We're making a bunch of content. Please listen to it all. We love you very much. Yeah, thanks again, everybody. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on SoundCloud. We are the Westworld Podcast on SoundCloud at Westworld Ryan on Twitter. You can email us, thewestworldpodcast at gmail.com. If you're just listening, that's great. If you want to follow us, that'd be awesome. And you really want to go the extra mile, you could leave us a nice review on iTunes and that lets other people find us. Thanks again for listening and we'll hear from you next week. Yeah, and then I'm j- there's, uh, I was about to say, there's usually something I say here, but I'm not going to say it this time because there's no other episode next week. Okay, now say the part where you're James. Yeah, so I'm James. And I'm Ryan, and this has been, and is now the end of season one, of the Westworld Podcast. Aww. (laughs) I know. Good show. Good show. The Man in Black says that following Dolores' insistence that this world is the only one that really matters. Wait, you just said Lawrence. Lawrence? Shit. Yeah, you said like Dolores. <laughs> Dolores? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's 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 who I ship. Dolores. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Me too. <laughs> no, that'll never happen. Anyway. I want it to, though. Um, think about that power couple. The Man in Black says that following Dolores' insistence... You did it again. Delo- I did it again, yeah. Dolores. Dolores, yeah. The Man in Back... Eh, Man in Back. <laughs> the Man in the Back. This is, where, this, is where, this is where we lose it.
Yeah, this. Okay. The man in black says that following Dolores. I didn't say the whole thing this time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Dolores. Uh.